Hey there. Welcome to the Fleet FYS podcast, the weekly podcast by Utilimark that reveals how you can make the most of your data for smarter fleet management. My name is Gretchen, and every week you'll hear from me or some of the industry's finest in candid conversations that will not only shed some light on over two decades worth of fleet data insights, but also some of the industry's hottest talking points and key metric analysis with the aim to help you better understand your fleet from every angle. But before we begin, if this is the first time you've heard our show, thanks for stopping by. I'm so glad you decided to come along for the ride with us. But I've got a quick favor to ask you. Once you finish today's episode, if you could take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform, we would really appreciate it. Give us a rating, five stars, I hope, or tell us what you liked or leave us a comment or a question about what you've heard in today's episode. If we haven't yet covered a topic that you're interested in hearing more about, let us know. We would be happy to go over it in detail in a later show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. Today, I am super excited to be back with another interviewee for the last episode of 2022 kind of sad to think this is the last one until the middle of January. I believe the official launch date for season four is the 14th of January, 2023. So make sure in your little holiday break that you don't forget about us and you come back on the 14th to catch the next season of Fleet FYIs. But until then, our last episode of the 2022 year features someone from a really, really interesting part of the EV world. And that part of EV world is thermal management. Today, I have Gina Bonini here from Modine. It's a thermal management company. You may have heard of them. They've worked with vehicle models such as the Ford Model T all the way up to the commercial vehicles and EVs that you see on the road today. She's bringing with her a lot of expertise from the field. She is a former engineer. So of course, who better to talk to than Gina. I hope you guys are looking forward to the interview. I had a really fun time recording this one, and I'm really, really excited for you to hear it. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Gina, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what your role is at Modine, and what you're excited to talk about today? Yes, absolutely. So first, Gretchen, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm a huge fan, and I'm glad to join you today. So I'm Gina Bonini. I'm the Vice President of Advanced Thermal Systems for Modine. Uh, My organization is actually focused on zero emission mobility. So electric vehicles and fuel cell vehicles, really specializing in large commercial vehicles like buses and trucks and fire trucks and all the really fun stuff out there that are operating every day in challenging environments. So all those vehicles need thermal management solutions as they transition to electric powertrains, and that's where we're focused. 
Mm-hmm. And Gina, I think one thing that's it's so timely that we're talking about this, too, because I think as the industry is more looking towards electrification and they're looking towards these greener alternatives, it's always nice to be able to talk about the technology available that perhaps it's not the first thing that someone might think of when it comes to electrifying. Like, who would think that as you're adopting an electric vehicle, thermal management would come to mind first? I mean, maybe for it. An engineer or mechanic, it might, but for a standard everyday person, it might not. Um, can you tell me something that's really exciting about thermal management, maybe as a company or personally that you're most excited about? So it's interesting because thermal management has been a long-term issue within internal combustion engines. You know, from the very start of vehicles, thermal management has been a core consideration. So as we start to see electrification of these vehicles and movement over to battery operation, it's still very much a critical consideration, but for very different reasons and with a different solution space. So one of the areas that excites me in this market is just that rate of innovation that we're watching as our customers move from proof of concept to production at a faster rate than we've ever seen before in the transportation sector. And so real time, we're working together with the vehicle OEMs, our customers, on finding those solutions to their thermal management issues so that they can get their vehicles out on the road. Sure. And just because I'd love to take it back to basics here, because I know that everyone listening to the show might not be an absolute expert on what thermal management means. Can you give us the 101 on what thermal management is and why it's different for every vehicle class or perhaps an internal combustion engine versus an EV? Yes, absolutely. Really, thermal management is about controlling temperature. So in the in the case of an internal combustion engine, when you look at that fuel, that fuel combustion process, temperatures can get up to 2000 degrees Celsius. And historically, thermal management has been used to take the heat out and protect the engine to really prevent it from overheating. Now, as you move into electric vehicles, a key consideration is the battery pack. So you really want to keep the battery pack usually in a pretty narrow temperature window of 25 to 35 degrees Celsius. And that's ultimately to allow the battery pack to operate as efficiently as possible, which extends range, shortens discharge or charging time, I should say, and also improves the the lifetime of battery. But dealing with such a tight, narrow window ultimately requires a more sophisticated thermal management system because now you're dealing with lower temperatures, so less differential to the ambient air and tighter windows for control. So today's thermal management systems have had to evolve quite a bit from their predecessors in the ICE world or their internal combustion engine world. Now, I should also mention on electric vehicles, maintaining temperature on the power electronics, so the converter, the inverter, the traction motor, is also important to prevent damage to those electronics. Uh, Typically, those are maintained at 65 degrees Celsius or less, um, requiring a, a different solution space, but also just as important as the battery pack. 
Sure. And when we're looking at damage for EVs, a little bit of a spinoff from that, because I'm curious, and I think maybe, you know, I think the folks listening to the show would appreciate uh, what you have to say here. When we're talking about damage to the EV, are we talking about damage to the battery itself, or is it damage to the powertrain? What do you think? So there's um, two areas that come to mind. One is the power electronics, so the inverter, the converter, the traction motor, and preventing those from overheating and creating damage in the electronics. So that's one core consideration. Typically, a cooling module is used to create a, a loop around those power electronics and maintain their temperature. On the battery pack... Uh, maintaining that battery pack within a tight window, again, 25 to 35 degrees Celsius, really helps optimize performance. But if over time, if the battery pack is operated at too high of a temperature, it will start to degrade and shorten its lifetime, therefore requiring a, a faster replacement of the battery pack, which isn't desirable for a range of reasons. Yeah, I think especially cost being the top one, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I think the thing is, you know, when we're looking at EVs, right, you know, a lot of people, they're a little spooked by the cost that's involved. And then when you hear, oh, if I don't take care of it, it's going to cost me even more. I mean, that's true for most things, but I think that might make someone balk even more at the idea of what am I going to do with this massive investment if it breaks? But you know, if we're on top of it, then it could potentially be a little bit more of a worthwhile investment overall. <laughs> so ultimately, uh, today's electric vehicles do build in the thermal management systems, including the battery thermal management system. And it's part of the vehicle intelligence to maintain that battery pack at its opt optimal range, which removes some of the the need to think about it from fleet owners because it is built into the vehicle itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you bring up here. Um, you know, and one thing I'm kind of curious about. So what do you think would be the earliest thermal management system that somebody listening today might be able to either remember or be able to say, oh, I've heard of that. That is something that I can be able to keep tabs on going forward. Yes, um, I would have to say the radiator. So radiators have been used in vehicles, internal combustion vehicles, since the beginning. In fact, Modine, we actually supplied the radiator to the Model T Ford starting in 1925. Now, radiator technology has continued to evolve over time to provide better cooling capacity within these vehicles, but they're still very much a part of the vehicles today. And you'll find them actually within electric vehicles. So the radiator is a poor heat exchanger to reject heat out of a coolant into the ambient air. So it's, it's critical for ICE vehicles or internal combustion engine vehicles. And even in EVs today, it's usually a, a typical component for the cooling module for the power electronics and sometimes for the battery thermal management system. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I remember, um, actually, funny story for you. You might get a kick out of this. Um, I remember, I think I was maybe seven years old when this had happened, but um, we were taking this road trip. It's about, I would say, 10-hour drive, 12 hours if you drive with my dad because he likes to stop, and there's a very specific donut shop that he likes to stop at, and this is actually (laughs) when he found out that the radiator in his truck had broken. Um, So he was driving up. Keep in mind, all black truck, you know, driving in the middle of the summer up to this lake in northern Minnesota and his radiator went out and he was driving with my cousin at the time. And then me and my mom were in another car. So thank goodness we had access to air conditioning and, you know, some cool air coming out of the vehicle at that point. Um, But he did not. And we found out very, very quickly, we got a call from him. This was like right as, you know, cell phones were becoming like a lot more popular and, you know, even young Younger people had them. My cousin, I think, maybe was 18 at the time. And he calls my mom and goes, Betty, you know, there's something wrong with the car. And she's thinking, okay, flat tire. They're going to be gone for, you know, maybe another hour while they wait for AAA to get things fixed. They show up about 20 minutes after we do um, at this lake property in northern Minnesota on Lake Winnebagosh. And they are just drenched in sweat. My dad goes, the radiator went out. It is so hot in this truck because it's a black truck. It is the peak of summer. They had all the windows down on all of these county highways and freeways, and they were pulling a boat trailer behind them, so the truck had to work extra hard. And he's like, that was the worst drive of my life. And he said, my first trip, it's not going to be out in the boat to go fishing, and he's an avid fisherman, so, you know, that was very shocking to hear that. He goes, I am driving to the nearest town with an auto shop to have this radiator replaced because I need need my truck to be able to cool itself down because without it it's going to be terrible <laughs> driving back and i felt so bad for him i'm just like oh my gosh of all things to happen in the summer when you're driving a black car the radiator goes out and you can't be able to regulate your temperature what a nightmare yes yes well and <laughs> wisdom conventional wisdom is when your radiator your car is overheating you're supposed to turn on your heater to help mm. cool off the the engine so makes it even hotter if you're overheating in the summer Mm -hmm. oh gosh how terrible um but that actually brings me to my next question though for you gina is uh do you so let's hear your take on this do internal combustion engines require a different form of thermal management you mentioned that evs have some sort of a radiator in them too but how do the thermal management systems what's the biggest or most stark difference between the two Yes, no, great question. So on an internal combustion engine, that fuel that fuel combustion process gets up to almost 2000 degrees Celsius. So that's what's generating the heat in the engine that then needs to be rejected or taken out. So in traditional thermal management systems for for internal combustion engines, a coolant routes around the engine to absorb the heat. That coolant then then flows through a radiator, which rejects the heat into the ambient air. So typically the radiators at the front grill of the vehicle. So as you're driving the vehicle, it's the radiators in the airflow to get the most airflow through it. So that's a traditional thermal management system on all the vehicles that we know today. As you go over to electric vehicles, really the thermal challenges are quite different. So now you're worried about the battery pack and keeping the battery pack in a tight 
temperature window of 25 to 35 degrees Celsius. So first thing to note is the differential between the heat source, in this case, the battery pack in ambient air is much less than in internal combustion engines. And the window that you need to maintain temperature is much tighter. This ultimately leads to the need for a more sophisticated thermal management system with fans to drive more airflow through the radiator, as well as often a refrigerant circuit to really get enough cooling capacity and to maintain that tight of a temperature window. Um, Similarly, on the power electronics, that inverter, converter, and traction motor, they heat up and you want to keep them below 65 degrees Celsius typically. So again, lower temperature than what you'll see in in fuel combustion processes for ICE vehicles. Um, So it's another area where typically more airflow or fans are required in the cooling module to get enough cooling capacity. So much more sophistication in those thermal management systems because of the tighter temperature windows and the lower differential between the heat source, in this case, the battery pack and power electronics, and what you'll find out in the ambient air. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I just, I'm so curious just about, you know, with EVs becoming so popular, you know, if it's something that people are really concerned about on the forefront, you know, it's like, how do we keep these battery packs cool? How do we keep them at an optimal operating temperature? You know, because I think, you know, we have a lot of folks that are trying to operate these vehicles in different climates um, that have a high variance in temperature too, right? And, you know, thermal management, it's not just about keeping it cool. It's about keeping it warm enough to be able to operate. Like if you're operating in a really cold climate, i.e. Minnesota is one, you know, we have temperatures (laughs) that drop down to minus 70 in the winter with a wind chill. We like to call them our polar vortexes that happen. I would say at least once a year um, on average, but you know, it can happen, right? So how, how are people actually able to work with this and be able to manage fleets across a variety of regions if it's in the same overarching fleet and try and keep thermal management on the forefront? You know, it's, I think, a challenge that a lot of people, perhaps that's not the first thing they think of when maybe it should be at least one of them when it comes to being able to actually operate the technology they're investing in. I was just going to say, at Modine, we're uh, actually headquartered in Racine, Wisconsin, so we appreciate cold winters. We know what that's like. Uh, So our battery thermal management systems include heaters for those really cold winters because you're absolutely right. Uh, Thermal management is about more than just cooling. In those icy winter mornings, heating the coolant is actually what's required to get the battery packed up in temperature to its optimal range. And then the cooling circuits are needed once it's the battery pack has reached its operating range and is self-generating heat, then you move into a cooling mode. But even if you're in the, the, the depths of a desert versus just your average California coastal town, the um, level of cooling required is different. And every time you run your cooling circuit, you do reduce your battery capacity or you use up battery power, which reduces range. So today's battery thermal management systems 
often operate with multiple circuits so that you can get either heating or cooling and different types of cooling circuits optimized to get just enough cooling capacity on the minimal power draw so you can ultimately get the longest range in your vehicle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome and super, super interesting to chat about, honestly. Um, And, you know, I'm curious, Gina, so what would you say would be the biggest benefit then to sustainability when it comes to thermal management? I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. You know, it allows the batteries to stay around longer and be more efficient when they're operating. But is there a massive benefit when it comes to sustainability aside from keeping these vehicles on the road longer and operating at peak performance? You know, two things come to mind, Gretchen. So one would be the actual range on a charge. So as you maintain the battery pack in that optimal temperature range with thermal management, it means that the battery will have its highest efficiency and it'll be able to go the, the furthest distance on a charge. So the way to think of this is miles per kilowatt hour of electricity to charge up that battery. So with thermal management and really keeping the batteries operating at their peak performance and getting the the greatest distance per charge, it saves on your electricity costs because you're able to go further, more miles per kilowatt hour. So that's one thing that comes to mind. Uh, The other one is really that lifetime of the battery. For today's batteries, they do have a limited number of charge cycles before they degrade to a point that they need to be replaced. So by maintaining the temperature of the battery pack and extending the lifetime of the battery, it means fewer replacements of the battery pack, thereby saving cost in reducing time out of the field for the vehicle to get a replacement. Mm-hmm. And then I think that also then takes into account, right, you know, if you're looking at battery sustainability when it comes to how are we going to recycle these? Can we yes. recycle these? How is this all going to work? How do we dispose of it if we can't recycle it? You know, all of the questions that people love to ask when we're talking about EVs, right? Agree. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> all right. Um, Gina, can you just tell me then how can people get in touch with you outside of the show? Yes, absolutely. So please visit us at modineev.com. It's one word, M-O-D-I-N-E-E-V. So that's our website with all of our thermal management products for electric vehicles and fuel cell vehicles. You can learn more about our products, our team, how to contact us, or feel free to look me up on LinkedIn and send me a note.
Well, that's it. That officially wraps up the last episode of the Fleet FYIs podcast for 2022. I hope you all enjoyed the chat that Gina and I had on thermal management as much as we both did. And I'm curious, I'd love to know, one, what was your favorite part about this last episode? Do you have any questions on thermal management? Do you have any questions on how it differs from ICE to EV? Please let me know. Also, I would really, really, really love to know just because of pure curiosity here, but I'd love to know what your favorite episode of season three of the Fleet FYI's podcast was. All the episodes in 2022 are at your disposal, but please feel free to let me know whether it was topic, style, whatever you like. I'd love to hear your feedback. You can send me an email. You can tag me on LinkedIn. Use the hashtag UtilamarkFleetFYIs or... As you know, you can always send me a carrier pigeon should you feel like it. Anyways, that is all from me. I'm looking forward to speaking to you again on the 14th of January when I will be back with a fresh new season of the Fleet FYI's podcast just for you. Ciao. Hey there, I think this is the time that I should cue the virtual high five because you've just finished listening to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. If you're already wanting more content, head over to utilimark.com, which is utilimark with a C, U-T-I-L-I-M-A-R-C.com for this episode's show notes and extra insights coming straight from our analysts to you. That's all from me this week. So until next time, I'll catch you later. 